Why, hello there, everybody. This is Tyler. And this is Danny. And we're the Fried Squirms, and we're here to get stoned and talk about horror movies. This week is Saw 3, which you'd know if you read the episode title and or listened to last week. Because we actually knew last week. We were actually planned ahead of time, which was nice. When this comes out, will Spiral be out? Yeah, it should be because, well, hold on. Does yeah, it come actually, out this technically, week? yes. Yes, okay. I was like, it took me a second. I forgot okay. what day it was. <laughs> so by the time this is out, you will have had the chance to go watch the latest in the ongoing Saw saga, Spiral, a jigsaw story from the mind of Chris Rock. Still blows my mind. I think we're going to be figuring out some way to check it out. Yeah, boy, that's going to be fun. But it had been a while since we talked about a Saw and decided to talk about another one before this movie came out. But before we get to that, we got to get stoned. We've already jumped the gun. Normally, we're hitting our green hits now. Our shit's lit. That's right. We're always lit. So I'll go ahead and start off. Not a surprise if you follow us, but I did stop by one of our favorite dispensaries here in town, Flower, which is right down the road. And with that, I did pick up a indica-dominant hybrid strain, and that strain is the purple nightshade. Now, I have information on nightshade. I'm kind of assuming, even though I know what assumptions are and what they mean, but I'm under the assumption that probably granddaddy perps are is crossing the other this. Half of- right, because with that, nightshade is a cross of cashmere and Nepali strains, which I love cashmere. Right, but there's no reason you would call that purple any either. That's why I'm under assumption it's probably granddaddy perps somewhere in there. But with that being said, this did take home the first place for Best Indica back in 2006 at the High Times Cannabis Cup, which is really neat. It is a 70% indica, 30% sativa split. The effects are you'll get a nice body high. You might get some of the munchies, relaxed, maybe a little sleepy, which is kind of contradictory because the next thing it says is you might get uplifted. (laughs) So, You know what? I get it because you had no idea coming into this. Already this morning when I was doing notes for this movie, I was hitting purple nightshade dabs. Yeah, you showed me. That's pretty funny. So here we are. It worked out then. I think it's going to work out now. Yeah, so I'll give you a few numbers for those who are curious. This one at the local dispensary is clocking in right at 28% on the THC level. Typically, the THC is right around the lower 20s, but this one is pretty high. So with that, you'll also get a nice danky and sweet flavor from this. So we'll see. So first off, I think you're going to be surprised by this. Based on the J you're holding, where would you think I picked it up? My first guess would have been Greener Pastures. Oh, okay. You actually guessed it right. (laughs) Just because I know they changed their J's. Oh, okay. I didn't know that they changed. This is my first one since since they made the change. (laughs) Yeah. I was like... I cheated. I knew. Okay. (laughs) But no, no. Had it not been for that, because they they typically use raw papers, Mm -hmm. I would have been like, I don't know, maybe top shelf. Yeah. Simple. Blue Dream. Definitely kind of more of a staple these days. Oh, man. Blueberry crossed with haze. Nice uh, sativa dominant. I mean, if you're listening to us because of the marijuana content, you have probably already tried Blue Dream at some point. Yeah, it is a very, very popular sativa strain. Balanced high, relaxing, slightly invigorating, herbal and piney notes. I can tell you this. I already know how I am with sativas. I'm going to be a little chatty Cathy tonight. (laughs) But that's what we got for Green Hits. I think that means we should probably go get into the guts and bolts of Saw 3. 
Guts and Bolts. Alright, Guts and Bolts. Who and what went into the making of this movie? Stay spoiler-free for this section. The spoilers will come when we talk more about the movie coming up. Before we get into who and what, a spoiler-free setup for Saw 3. First off, I would recommend going and listening to us talk about the first Saw. Yeah, it's been a hot minute, but we did review it way back when. Then in the second Saw, Donnie Wahlberg has shit happen to him, only to find out that Amanda is the new protege of Jigsaw. Yeah, and we'll explain who Amanda is, of course, but I would hope most people know who Donnie Wahlberg is at this point. (laughs) And that's where this movie picks up, except now I guess the movie is Jigsaw's dying and his protege is carrying on his schemes. I like how you did that. But I think that is a good setup of what this film entails. And from week to week, we do like to talk about the people who go into making the film and the actors and actresses in front of the cameras. So with this week, we have director Darren Lynn Bowsman, which right before we started this section, I had to make sure I wasn't fucking his name up. (laughs) So with that being said, Darren... I know I say this every week, but he does really have some really cool films to his credit. So when you look at his filmography, you can see that he's directed Saw Part 2, Saw Part 4, and coincidentally enough, the upcoming Spiral. Spiral? Yeah, from the Book of Saw. Good for him. He also directed the horror musicals Repo, the genetic opera, which I have and I know you have as well seen. Dude, I fucking love Repo. It's great. (laughs) It's good. And he also directed the Devil's Carnival movies. A few other things of note, too. He helped with the Tension Experience, the Lust Experience, Theater Macabre, I Confidant, and One Day Die. So, like I said, this gentleman's got some really cool credits to his name. Moving forward, the writers, actually two gentlemen we've talked about before, but the screenplay and the story was written by Lee Wanell. We talked about Lee way back on episode 43 when we did review Saw. And then on episode 175, we reviewed The Invisible Man, which was really fun. And he does make an appearance in this film in a flashback sequence. So I'll go ahead and knock that out of the way because I didn't include him in our cast credits. Well, yeah, because Lee Wanell's in a flashback. I mean, Donnie Wahlberg is too. There's a couple other people Donnie as well. Donnie Wahlberg is. Frankie G is. Yeah, like I said, I've got even, a few. Oh, I guess you see Frankie G for a second, but you mostly just hear his voice a couple times. Yeah. So his partner, another gentleman we've talked about before, but we have James Wan who helped with the story. He, along with Lee, we talked about back on episode 43, and then we talked about James exclusively on episode 142 when we reviewed The Conjuring. All right, we have cinematographer David A. Armstrong. We talked about him way back, of course, when, when we did Saw on episode 43, but a few other things of credit to his name. I do have to mention these because he's got some cool ones. If you look back, he actually helped on a couple of uh, documentaries. One was My Dinner with Andre the Giant. And he also helped with Burning Man inside the Kaleidoscope. And then from there, he was a DP on Saw Part 2. He helped with the Grave Dancers, Saw 4 and 5. If you ever watched Heroes, the Recruit, he helped with that television series. Saw Part 6, Hellraiser Revelations, and more recently, the short It's Worth More Than You Think. Moving forward, we have editor Kevin Grutert, who (laughs) surprisingly... I'll go ahead and knock this out of the way. The music, too. We've already talked about these two guys, so I don't have to repeat myself. (laughs) But we did talk about Kevin when Mm -hmm. we reviewed Saw. 
few other things of credit for him. He went on to edit Saw Part 2, Room 6, The Thirst, Saw's Part 4s and 5, The Strangers, The Collection, which is the follow-up to The Collector. Oh. Yeah. I still need to watch that. I liked The Collector. It's good. That third one's coming up soon. Oh, shit, yeah. He's also the editor on Jezebel, Jackals, and 2017's Jigsaw. Now, surprisingly enough, he directed Saw Part 6 and Saw 3D. So another one of those guys that followed up a lot with uh, this series. All right. Our music was composed by Charlie Klauser. Like I said, we've talked about him before. A few other things of note from him. Saw Part 2, Dead Silence, Death Sentence with James Wan as a director was on those. Resident Evil Extinction, Saw 4 and 5 and 6 and 3D. He also composed music for the collection Jigsaw and the upcoming Spiral from the Book of Saw. Let me say this right now. More movies in general need to hire this guy. Dude, he's done a great job. He composed the theme music for American Horror Story. Awesome. And Fear Itself, which... Was the, I think it was like CBS's, maybe it was NBC's. I think it was NBC's who, when Masters of Horror left Showtime, they picked it up and called it Fear Itself. So he composed the theme music for that as well. So yeah, some cool credits there. All right, moving forward, special effects was done by Switch. For the visual effects, we have Good Enterprises and Grand Unified Theories, which I like that. Produced by Mark Berg. Greg Hoffman, and Oren Cools. Production companies were Twisted Pictures, Cinespace Film Studios, Evolution Entertainment, and Saw 2 Productions. Lionsgate was our distributor for the United States and the United Kingdom's 2006 theatrical releases. The release date was October 27th, 2006 here in the States in the UK. It had an estimated budget of about $10 million, which I read was more than double the original Saw's budget. Now, here in the States, it grossed $80.2 million, and worldwide, so, it made wait, all the monies. <laughs> that alone, great success, right? Yeah, that's 80 like off eight of times. Yeah. But then, so what's worldwide? I have, if you round it up, $165 million. Off 10? For I'll take it every time. Do you know how, how many times did you hear when this franchise was going, what, they're making another one? Exactly. You want to know why? Boom, there you go. They made basically probably all their money they needed to make all the rest of the films just off this film. And that's not counting the success the other ones had. Precisely. This is just going off these numbers for that's this film. Just this film. Just this film. That's bonkers, well, I'm, I'm dude. What are some of the other ones? Do you know off? I honestly don't because I didn't look. Well, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you right now. Okay, cool. Let's do this. The first one, 104 off of one, uh, God, 1.2 million. That's crazy. I think I remember we were talking about that. That's nuts. Number two, 147 off of 4 million. The fuck? <laughs> we just talked about this one. So number four, 140 off of 10 million. So, so far out of the first four, none of them have made less than 100 million. Number five, 114 off of 10 million. <laughs> so it's starting to go down, but. But you're still in the 100 millions, man. Off of 10. Oh, come on. Six. Okay, now we dropped below okay. 68 off of 11 million. Okay. A little drop, but not a huge drop, really. Still You're six times. Six times? <laughs> I'll take it every time. 3D? 3D, 136 off of 20. That's fucking crazy. Good God. And then Jigsaw, 103 <laughs> off of 10. So only one. Out only of one. Was it part five? Yes. 
made 60, what, 66? 60, yeah. 68, whatever. Still, whatever it was. 67, uh, 7. Just for argument's sake, none of them dropped below 65 million. And that's against, what, the most of 20 million I saw, but 10 million on average? Mm-hmm. Pfft, dude. Every if I give you $10 day. and you pay me 65 back, I'll take it every time. <laughs> every time. That's why. Why do you keep making these? Uh, hello? Are you paying attention? Because they make all of the money. <laughs> Shit. That's awesome. Good on them. There's a reason we're still talking about this. All right. So with that being said, <laughs> the tagline on this, and there are several, but the one I liked, and I think it was on the poster too, was Legends Never Die, which I know is super vague. But for this franchise, it does make sense. Yeah. Okay, so moving forward, going into the cast, I know there's a laundry list of people. I pretty much stuck to the main characters and a few people you see briefly, but are major characters in this fucking story. Leading off, we have John Kramer, played by Tobin Bell, who, of course, we talked about on episode 43 when we reviewed Saw. But a few other things of note from Mr. Bell I have, which is really cool. As he was in Tootsie, if you've ever seen that, even though he went uncredited, this is like way back when. He was also in Mississippi Burning. He was in Goodfellas, Ruby. He was in The Line of Fire, The Quick and the Dead. He was also in such things as, uh, I mean, all the Saw series, so you might as well go ahead and knock those out. <laughs> but I believe there was uh, Buried Alive, which is one, Boogeyman Part 2, Boogeyman Part 3. So he's a part of that franchise, The Sandman. So, I mean, if you've seen... More recent horror films, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with them. Then he's got a slew of television series he's been a part of, too. So he's got his hands and a little bit of both. All right, moving forward, we have Shawnee Smith, who you've already mentioned by character name, and she plays Amanda Young. But when we're talking about horror films and we're talking about actors and actresses, we do have to mention her. I'm going to knock out a couple of films that are not horror-related, then we'll delve right into them. But she got her start on such films as Annie, as a dancer back in 1982. She was also a part of Iron Eagle, if you've ever seen any of those films. I know I've mentioned this film. I'm glad I'm bringing it up again because I can't drive the point home enough. But if you've never seen Summer School, you need to watch it because <laughs> she's in it. Mark Harmon's in it. There's some really cool people in it. A lot of China's in it. I know we were talking about her. <laughs> but Shawnee Smith was forced by her agent to try out for... Mall rats. That's awesome. And I, was yeah. one of the wow. the interviews that Kev and Moj remember because it was obvious she did not want to be there. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> I can understand then if that's the case. All right, no, when I say we're talking about horror, she was in the 1988's The Blob is a remake, but she did get nominated for a Young Best Artist Award, which is really cool. All right, and then she went on to do such things as Who's Harry Crumb, Leaving Las Vegas. She was in Dogtown. You might have seen her in uh, Armageddon. She was in Carnival of Souls, which is a remake of an old 60s film. Really good. And then she was in Repo, the Genetic Opera, the short film. Then, like I said, she's basically in all these Saw movies. <laughs> Man, she was in The Grudge Part 3. Let's see, more recently, such films as uh, Believe and Savannah Sunrise. And she's got an upcoming film called Christmas versus the Walters. I did see that she's been in a ton of television series, too. She was in an, uh, an episode of The the X-Files, which is really cool. I know she was in Becker for uh, 129 episodes as Linda, yeah. which is really cool. Dude, I fucking love some Becker. Yeah, she was in Scream Queens as herself as a host and mentor, which is really neat. And uh, Anger Management, even though I'm not a big fan of Charlie Sheen anymore. 
but she was a part of that series for 94 episodes, so good on her there. All right, moving forward, I have Angus McFadden, who plays the role of Jeff Denlin. Dude, I'm not going to lie. Like, he's not the greatest, but I dig this guy. I've watched it. He's fucking Robert the Bruce in Braveheart. That's awesome, yeah. But even before that, like, I watched Warriors of Virtue. Do you know Warriors of Virtue? I doubt you would have seen it. It You would have been a little bit old for where it was being marketed. Yeah, probably not. But you probably would have still seen the trailers for it. It was basically, like, the Power Rangers, except there was, like, one more of them because... They were all based on the elements, but it was the classical Eastern elements, not the Western elements. Gotcha. And they were kangaroos. Oh, sure. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like ringing a bell a little bit when you said that. I was like, hold on. Maybe I do He did the voice for one of them. No shit. Uh, I think Doug Jones was one of them. Damn. Like. Damn. Doug Jones for real? I'm pretty sure. Wow. Okay. Wow. The man of many disguises. I'm going to name a few other credits while we're talking about this, but he was in the 1999 film Titus, which starred Sir Anthony Hopkins, which is really neat. Oh, no. Angus McFadden was the bad guy. Oh, okay. That's still pretty cool. A film you let me borrow, which I finally watched not too long ago, but he was in 2002's Equilibrium as Vice Counsel DuPont. Then he went on to do such films as uh, Fatwa, which is really interesting. Of course, uh, I... A little bit of a spoiler. He's in Star Part 4. He's also in the film We Bought a Zoo, if you've ever seen that, The Lost City of Z, and he was in Still Rain Part 2. You've already mentioned he's been in some television series as a voice actor and a lot of shit. Uh, he was Blackbeard in the made-for-TV Hallmark miniseries Blackbeard. That is pretty I funny. I watched it. <laughs> I'm just looking at some of his credits in television. All right. For those who don't know me, and not a big spoiler here, I'm not even worried about it, but my last name is Doyle, and he played Jimmy Doyle on Lie to Me, and then he was in the show Republic of Doyle. <laughs> like, what's going on with this? So that's kind of cool. And he's also in uh, this year's Superman and Lois. Oh, my Jor-El. fucking God, he's cool. Jor-El. That's awesome. I keep hearing that this new Superman, like, I'm normally on top of the CW superhero shows, yeah, and yeah. I have not been this huh. season, but I keep hearing Superman and Lois is actually just a really good show. Might have to give it a go. Mm-hmm. Also, yes, Doug okay. Jones was one of the kangaroos. Nice. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> All right, moving forward, we have Buhar Sumek. She plays the role of Dr. Lynn Denlin, who is the wife of Jeff Denlin in this. Now, she's been in some really cool films. Uh, a few things of note. You might have seen her in the Academy Award-winning movie for Best Picture, and that is Crash. I mean, <laughs> I've seen it. It is pretty good. It's a Paul Haggis film. She was also in such things as Syriana and Mission Impossible Part 3. You might have also seen her in such things as Daybreak. She was in Ghost Whisperer and CSI Crime Investigation. And also sees she was in such things as Just Like a Woman and breezing through a couple of her things. She was also a part of Parenthood. Quite a few of the flashback sequences moving forward with the Saw franchise too. So you're going to see her time and time again. All right. Moving forward, I have Jay LaRose who plays... Troy in the film. Spoiler, he's one of our victims. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. That's all I'll say. I know Jay LaRose. <laughs> all right. A few things of note from him. He's been in such things as Repo the Genetic Opera. He was in the Fear Itself episode New Year's Day, and he was also a part of Devil's Carnival. I did see, yeah, that's kind of neat. He's a Navajo actor too, so that's kind of a cool distinction if you look at that. He was in The Last Shift. Actually, I've, I've read a little bit about that film. That looks pretty cool. And Insidious Chapter Part 2. 
I'm not going to lie. You know what I actually most remember him from? Because I used to watch it before it was uh-huh. very widely revealed how much he tended to steal jokes. Oh, shit. Uh, Mind 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 Damn. Yo. Yeah, I used to watch it, too. <laughs> yeah. Dude, some of the skits were pretty good. I mean, they were. It's just unfortunate, man. I see. Also, I know that you were a big fan of uh, Sons of Anarchy. He was in the yeah, follow-up Mayans. Mayans. Yeah, it was pretty cool. All right. I did have to look this guy's name up. I think I got it. So we have actor Impu Quaho. That's how you pronounce it, even though it doesn't oh, look like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, so it's Impu Quaho. He plays a role of Timothy Young and a few things of note from him. He was in such things as Falling Sky, which is a series from 2011 through 2015. He was also a regular on the series Metajets in Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency from 2016 through 17. I keep meaning to check that out. I've heard it's good. I've read the second Dirk Gently book. I've never read the first one. Huh. This is kind of cool. I'm looking at a few other credits here. He was in uh, Four Brothers, which I've actually seen. Which has Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, I've seen Four Brothers. <laughs> yeah, so there you got a little connection there with the Wahlbergs. All right, moving forward, we have Barry Flatman plays the role of Judge Halden. A few things of note from him. He's been in such films as My Name is Tanino, The Company, Just Friends. He was in H2O in The Andromeda Strain as Chuck Beater. He was also a no, part of the- that is uh, not Halloween H2O. Oh, dang. I'm glad I didn't say that. I was like, ah, I'm just going to breeze by that because I know not a lot of people like that. <laughs> <laughs> it says he currently plays, I don't know if this is true or not, but he plays Don Shade on the television detective series Private Eyes. I did read he's a Canadian actor, so I'm sure he's done a lot of Canadian productions. Um, I was actually listening to some Hall Notes last night. That's funny you said that. I'm not even joking. That's awesome. All right, we have Deborah Lynn McCabe. She plays a role of Danica Scott, who's another victim in this movie. And a few things of note from her, because she's also a Canadian actor and actress, she is in Degrassi, The Next Generation, as Emily Nunez from 2005 through 2007. Some people might recognize her because she played Mrs. Powell in the 4400 television series, which is funny because the episode name is Fear Itself. <laughs> she was also in The Border as Yvonne Castle from 2008 through nine for quite a few episodes. And it looks like more recently she was a part of People of Earth television series back in 2016 and 17. All right, we've already mentioned him, Donnie Wahlberg. He does show up in the flashback sequence as Detective Eric Matthews. Now, because I'm a bit of an old fart, I remember him before he was an actor. I remember him when he was a dancer slash singer for a boy group back in the 80s. Call me Donnie. (laughs) Oh, my God. Step. Step. Oh, no. Yeah, I'm talking about new kids on the block. But I tell you one thing that it kind of tripped me out when I first found out because I didn't realize it at the time. Even when I watched it, I didn't know it was mm-hmm. him. But he's in uh, M Night Shyamalanga Ding Dong's Six Sense. It's crazy, man. He's like the patient. I was about to say he's in the beginning, right? Like, yeah. He's okay. Yeah, yeah. Without spoiling it, if you haven't seen it, he might be the best acting in that movie. Dude, I had no clue it was him. And, of course, he was in Solid Part 2, keeps making flashback appearances mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I don't really keep up with a lot of other stuff. I know he's been in quite a few things. But like I said, he's not hes not really a big actor in this. But if you do want to see him, watch Part 2. <laughs> and I'll say, with that in mind as well, even though she is in this for a little bit, we have Dina Meyer who plays the role of Detective Allison Carey. Fucking Dizzy from Starship Troopers. It's crazy, man. She was also part of uh, Dragonheart, the movie. 
She was in Bats from 99, Detox, and Star Trek Nemesis, which is really cool. The character Dizzy being one of the furthest uh, <laughs> departures from the novel. In the movie, we get to see her tits. In the novel, it's a dude. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. That's different. All right, she was also in Piranha 3D, which is kind of cool. She was in Starship Troopers, Trader of Mars. She did the voice of Dizzy Flores, which is really cool. And once again, she's been in a lot of television series. All right, now the last guy I have credited, like I said, he's in it not very long, but he is super important once this series continues. But I have Costas Mandalore, who plays the role of Detective Mark. He only has like maybe a line or two at best in this film, and it's during one of the investigating scenes. But if you follow this movie, he's in literally, I think, the rest of the fucking movies in the series. So with that in mind, this is your cast and your crew. You gave us a brief setup. Uh, we should definitely give you some warnings heading into our next section. Warnings. This is where Saw actually starts to earn being torture porn. Oh, yeah. So there's disgustingness in it. And people are being hurt almost for being hurt's sake. Yeah, this is... Ooh. This is a mean movie. Not there the worst is, we've ever done, but it's I mean, mean, language, there's a little bit of nudity. Correct. But mostly, like, I mean, minor spoilers. <laughs> yeah. Like, rib cages are being torn open. Yeah, so this is a pretty gruesome film, you know, compared to the first two. Maybe the technically the most stomach-turning scene of any of the saws. Boy, it has some moments, man. Even um, for me, and I know there are effects. I'm mm -hmm. like, ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> Just because of the ick factor of, once again, minor spoiler, the pigs. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's gross. But as far as extreme goes, it's... I mean, I'm, without spoiling this, where it happens, but I mean, there's like broken bones and stuff mm -hmm. like that, too, that you see. It's pretty gnarly. As far as what you actually see on screen, kind of in the more gnarly realm, maybe not as effective as pulling you in as some of the other extreme movies as we've covered. <laughs> and so the effect isn't quite as deep-rooted. I agree. But it's still going to get a lot of people who are mm -hmm. not used to that kind of stuff. I guess and with that in mind, we'll just actually get into what we actually think about the movie and find out how it made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, Saw 3. As mentioned at the end of the last episode, I specifically requested skipping Saw 2. Not because it's necessarily bad. It's not good. But I've also seen that, like, 20 times because it was the one that I actually owned for a long time. I get it. Yeah. Makes sense. I didn't need to see it again. <laughs> like, and I actually know things about it that I could have brought up on the podcast that are actually kind of neat about that movie. I didn't need to, man. Yeah. Especially because it's truly the one that doesn't know what it's doing yet. I mean, that's a solid point, man, because I know we are, we're not reviewing that film right now, but you're right. It has its moments where it's like, uh, where's it going? This one sort of sets the tone oh. for like the next five. Yeah, it does. This one really is the tone setter. Because it's not like number one. Mm -mm. We talked about number, we did a whole episode of number one. Exactly. Go People don't remember number one the way number one plays out. Number one's a slow burn. It barely shows anything. You're right. And that's why I think it's interesting when it gets tagged with the torture porn label, because that's not necessarily true for at least the first two. This one. Oh, that's a different ballgame. Different From story. From the get-go. I would say to the detriment of this. I'm kind of curious about going through a little bit more of the franchise again. Like, I'm curious about rewatching number four and see if they refine the things that they decided to start doing in this one. Good point, yeah. As we're pointing out right now, 
This one sets the tone, but that means this is the first time that they're telling the story in this fashion. And so you don't get introduced to your main characters for... It's interesting, man. 15 minutes? Yeah. yeah. More? It takes a little bit before you are introduced to our main characters. Yeah. Because you start in a flashback. Exactly. You actually hear it in the credits. The opening credits, you can yeah. hear Mark... Or not Mark. Donnie screaming. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say what he says, but, you know, it's him. <laughs> and then it goes to... Does it go to the fake out with Diz? Where I've got it is it opens up with him freeing himself from his shackles. Mm. Like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. that. was kind of gnarly. Oh, that's right. Okay, so that's my first question for you. Uh-huh. Cut or bash? Oh, shit. Um, fuck. Probably bash, even though that's going to suck a dick. Because I don't know, man. Saw 2, it depends on the saw. <laughs> that's true. I guess that thing's I... janky and shit. Oh, boy. <laughs> but I was just thinking, like... It was gnarly regardless, but yeah. If you have to bash it enough to get it out from there, you're probably going to end up losing it anyway, is my thing. Yeah, I know what you're saying. You. If and, that's then you just have so, and then you just have something hanging from the end oh, that is going to just continue oh. to hurt every time you touch it against something. Yeah, I know. It's like, even though I want to make an argument for the counterpoint, I'm like, even the counterpoint's going to suck a bag of balls and that. It's I was not even say, better. But, like, but cutting. <laughs> you got to go through the bone, man. <laughs> I think I can get the cutting done quicker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Even with a bad saw, putting my weight into it, I think I could get the cutting done quicker. The problem is then you're also risking bleeding out. And if I'm doing this trying to get out of there, oh, like I'm trying to live, right? Like, no. <sighs> I'm it just, sucks, right? It does. There's several moments in this film I know we're going to get to where I'm like, I'm dead. <laughs> I'm I, th- dead. I think me cutting would depend on how good of a tourniquet I think I could tie off. Yeah, I mean, there are factors you have to consider, for sure. If I feel like I would, like had my strength on me and like my shirt was up to the task without ripping oh, yeah, yeah. and I could get that shit super tight, then I'm like, the hey, cut's going to be the that, good thought, right? <laughs> they make prosthetics all day long. <laughs> I'm still good. This <laughs> is going to suck for this moment. But yeah, he, he goes for the other route. He goes caveman route and just bashes that shit. And then he snaps it. And that was one of those moments. Mm-hmm. It's like, even though I know... At this point, I'm still like, ooh, I know that was effective at the theater. <laughs> That's like first couple of minutes of the film. Yeah. Wait, I want to point out something right now because we're actually kind of getting into this right now. The first thing that we were talking about when we sat down to get ready to do this podcast, we're like, dude, getting through this movie kind of <laughs> I know. I know. It's it kind of. All right. It was I, hard coming back to this man. again, man. I watched, I'm sure you did too, but I watched the director's cut both times, and that's a two-hour film, roughly. And I'm like, ooh, I got four hours of movie watching ahead of me. One, just, you know, for impressions, I haven't seen this in so long. Mm-hmm. And the second one is for note-taking, and I was like, all right. And every time I try to start it up, I was like, nah, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> Guess who didn't realize that the director's cut was also up on there Oh, and no did shit. not watch it? That's okay. I assume maybe where What's there's the addition? Like, Do you know? I think a fight scene with Shawnee Smith and Bahar, uh, the one who plays Lynn. Mm-hmm. They have a fight scene. I wouldn't really call it a fight scene. I mean, it is, but not really. Mm-hmm. Not really. Okay. It's kind of like a cat fight. There's that, and I don't know. There's. there's I know I have seen the director's cut before. Yeah. Because I've, I've seen this movie before. Yeah, there's not the, much. The pigs is extended, I think. Yeah, and even that's like, mm-hmm. it's not that bad, honestly. <clears throat> is the freezing room extended? Well, and now that we're talking right, about the go. director... Okay, did you find it? 
Because I was going to say, now that we're talking about the director's cut, I remember after the first time I watched it, I noticed that there was one, and then I intended to watch it on the second cut, but then I got high. <laughs> Hell yeah, that, I mean, that's what we do, man. All right, so I'm looking at the information here. It is available on the movie database, but it says the unrated version of Saw 3 differs from the theatrical. Now, with that in mind, it says the director's cut, which is... I actually watched the unrated and director's cut. It says the director's cut is based on the unrated version but has about seven more minutes of footage and an extended ending resulting Fuck. in running time over two hours. Why? I felt like it was too long at the hour 48 minute cut. Oh, yeah, it's definitely long. It's, this could be an hour and a half. Yeah. Easy. I wouldn't cut any more than that. I'm not saying this could be like a short film. No, 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 no. But hour and a half, hour 40 maximum is yeah, fine cut for eight this minutes? Film. Yeah. Exactly. Why over two? Who? Uh, okay. Okay, so without me getting too much, because we haven't gotten into some of this stuff, it says the first notable difference is the opening scene is more violent, the shots of Eric's heel being broken are much closer, and more detail is shown. Mm. So right there. Okay, the only other difference, this is not a major spoiler, because it's, it gets right into the next scene anyway, because we open up with a crime scene, and we get a bunch of detectives... Oh, you know, they right. had to break into it, that room and all that shit, because the door was welded shut, uh -huh. which we'll explain. But it says in this particular instance, Detective Carey is discussing Eric, which is Donnie Wahlberg, with another detective, a guy named Rig. And it says that scene is slightly extended, showing her commenting on how she can't sleep because of his disappearance. So when they enter the crime scene, she's thinking maybe it's him. Oh. You know? Not Jayla Rose. Right. She's automatically assuming it might be Eric Matthews, which is her partner. So here's the funny part. Like, I didn't remember his name when I saw it, but I recognized Jayla Rose in that scene, even with the lighting and with Dude. the fucking, the ring in his fucking jaw and shit. And then the voiceover from Jigsaw comes, and I'm going to super paraphrase here, but he's like, you pissed away all the advantages and privileges given to you from birth. And I'm like, you're talking about privileges given to the only Navajo fucking actor in this movie? <laughs> like, Yeah, I don't think anybody had any foresight in that <laughs> script writing. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You might want to scale that back, dude. You're talking about... His advantages? Yo, it's like, come you, on, Sa, you might want to look at your internal biases yeah, there, bro. Yeah, it's like, you can anglicize his name all you want, Troy. <laughs> yeah, man, I don't think so. That's but, a solid point. But that's one of those ones where, like, <laughs> I was sitting there thinking about it for myself, and I'm like, okay, maybe panicking, I wouldn't think about this in reality. Yeah. Like, waking up and having that shit happen. But if I have a second to sit there and think about it, as soon as I realize I have one of those rings through my fucking jaw, I'm just, like, getting nice and cuddly with the bomb because I know I'm fucked. I just want to make sure I'm I'm not trying to rip out my jaw no. on that shit. Nope, I'm fucked. I was going to say, there's a few instances in this film where I'm like, yep, I'm just going to head and I'm going to eat this shit. That's all you can do. I was going to say, now looking back on a credit, even though I didn't mention it in the credits, the composer, Charlie Klauser, he worked with Nine Inch Nails. I mean, he was, mm -hmm. like, a part of that band for a while, but... What I was going to say is that sequence of events, how they were editing it, made me feel like it was a music video kind of editing. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, it kind of makes sense now that you look at who's worked in the industry and all that stuff. If those hooks were set in deeper and it was meant to rip them apart, that would probably be one of the coolest things in the series. The fact yeah. that it's a bomb that takes them out, a little bit weaker. I agree. But given the nature of what's going to happen in this film... 
he was fucked regardless. Right, right. Like I'm saying, as soon as but I know what you're saying. If I get the chance yeah. to think about it, as soon as I notice that jaw hook, like oh, if I can ooh. get close enough to that bomb to just like spoon it, I'm doing that. Yeah, because I just want to make sure that I'm getting taken out at this point. I don't want to like live oh, through man. all these hooks in me, and then also <laughs> live through a bomb blast. Man, no. <laughs> Plus, I was already living a shitty enough life that Jigsaw was doing this to me in the first oh, place, dude. That's just like. If you guys are listening, <laughs> get right. <laughs> so I, have, I also felt, okay, once again, I wanted to like this trap so much, but I also felt like they emphasized the wrong hooks hurting. Yeah, I agree. Like I agree. all the ones that were set into like his side and stuff, they're like, oh, that's the most painful shit in the world. Like, nah. And they ignored like... The fact that, like, the ones through his hands were, like, through the middle of his hands. Yeah, dude. And he Come had on. to rip the shit out of his fucking head. He's got a chunk of hand missing. And, uh... Come on. What did it run? Is it, like, his Achilles? His Ach- he had to rip out his fucking uh, Achilles, and they didn't do anything with that. Exactly. It's like, another thing, too, with that, because I know we pay a lot more attention to detail than just a casual view. Now, I want to say mm-hmm. viewer, but just a casual view of the film. When they had the hooks in, too, it was like, I already know. It's like all that stuff is just makeup and facts and probably latex and all that shit. So it wasn't quite as believable as I wanted it to be, and it could have been a lot more gruesome. But regardless, the nature of what he had to do is horrific in itself. Yeah. You know? But just for nitpicking's sake, it could have been better. So we go from the flashback to Dizzy kind of being introduced <laughs> as a character yeah. to seeing this happen to Dizzy being abducted. I don't even know her real character's name. I don't care. Uh, it's she's, just Detective Carrie. She's always going to be Dizzy Flores to me. I got you. <laughs> That's awesome. And then the next thing is she's in a fucking trap. And you're like, okay, who's our fucking main character then, bro? <laughs> right, because now we're about 10 minutes deep in this film. Her setup is she's in this trap that's got kind of connected to her ribcage. Mm-hmm. So she's got to dig out a fucking a key that's in a... It's like the reverse blood eagle thing. machine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. From the front. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the whole point is there's a key and a thing of acid, and she's got to put her hand in it, try to get it out, and Before undo the herself. Key dissolves. Exactly. It's like... Which, it, not that that matters anyway, because right. the thing's going to rip her apart around the time the key would dissolve anyway. Exactly. So once again, it's just one of those things. It's like, let's just make this quick and as painless as possible. Okay, so first off... She couldn't get out to begin with, so not that this actually ends up mattering. Right. But with the way that the acid was put there, she totally could have just poured out the acid. Oh, man. I was thinking that, too. I was like, dude, why is she trying that? That would have been my first instinct. It's like, you know, there's, keep there's one hand. nothing keeping just, it. Just in case that key pops out. <laughs> it's being held up by chains by its upper rim. And the pore spout is even facing away from her. I know, dude. So all she has to do is tip the bottom towards her. And she can at least pour Mm. out most of it to where the point she's only burning her fingertips at at best. There's, Mm. when I was watching this, it made me think of something connected to women. Mm. That's what I'm going to say right now, because I'm going to ask this question probably a little bit later on. But I was like, "Mm, maybe, I don't think that's the intention of this film, but I think there's a certain attitude towards women's logic in this film mm. <laughs> and emotion is what I'm getting at. I also wonder if maybe that was intentional to a degree. One of the neat things about the traps in Saw 2, which I guess we'll talk about. Even I mean, we kind of have to a little bit. Is 
they were all intentionally designed to where if the people used teamwork, they could have gotten through every one of the traps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't you say you watched yeah, like kind of behind the, the scenes and that's, shit? Yeah, that's good. That's cool. And so I'm wondering if there wasn't a little bit of that intentionally done in this trap design as well. But there's nothing that makes it apparent that they did that either, especially because yeah. she can't get out anyway. I know that's kind of get like, out anyway. Oh man, that's major spoil. I mean, we're in the spoiler section, so if you're if you're in this far, that's on you. But full on, like at best, she had to burn her fingertips. Yeah, like that yeah, was yeah. simple. All she had to do was pull that shit towards her. It made me think that too. I was like, I'm glad you brought that up because that was one of the first things I was thinking. I was like, you can get some of that shit out without completely knocking the fucking jar over. Easy. Yeah, and you're gonna get the majority of that acid out of there. But no, she sticks her fucking hand in there like she's gonna fish it out I'm like what no <laughs> yeah it's a film i get it i get it it's for the effect but once again now she's not the main character yeah and you're right like what the fuck is that when we finally get introduced to right one of the main characters okay. right but we don't know that yet no no so what we get is dr lynn who we don't know that yet because she just has a scene with this dude which this is kind of a little bit of a twist because mm-hmm. it looks like their husband and wife and the way it's premised because she calls him Chris. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Different dude. Um, and he says he wants a divorce. So it makes me think, not with her. She wants, he wants her to get a divorce officially from her husband so that they don't have to keep sneaking around. Thank you. Right. But that's not how it sounds. No, not one bit. Which I think that's really good writing. That was clever. good. There's some really good things in this movie. No, there is. Like, wanna, even though we tend to, <laughs> we can gripe sometimes, but no, it's it's still a well-done film. There's no one scene that does this, but starting in the next couple scenes where we see Jigsaw and Amanda and the way that it plays out through the rest of the movie, I actually think that, like, the central conceit to this movie is really interesting. I the, agree. Like, the student is losing her way in this case, her way. Right, right, right. The student is losing their way, and the master has limited time left, and it's their one last shot to try to sort of make their students see the light. A solid point. Except in this case, it's fucking crazy because it's a serial killer and his student. It's not just like, like I want to see this story in in any context. Yeah, you. I but think it's that's a solid doubly point. interesting that it's twisted to be, it's a serial killer <laughs> and their student. Yeah, and. For me, when I was thinking about this, because I know that's like the big thing, I was like, man, this is rooted in power dynamics, which involves narcissism and manipulation and all that stuff. But it's interesting because it's kind of veiled in this film Mm -hmm. Mm, because the way they're playing into his condition. But I think the downfall of this movie, and I already said, I fucking love me some Angus McFadden, but the important part of this movie is sort of the juxtaposition of his situation and being a father neglectful of his child. And on the other side of things, you have Jigsaw with essentially his adoptive child who he's reaching out to try to save, Mm -hmm. albeit in a very fucked up (laughs) manner. Yeah, there is a parallel there, yeah. And it's sort of the juxtaposition of the oppositeness of them even though his salvation is for her is earned by putting the other guy through hell, basically. Yeah. And try to kind of have like a Phoenix moment for him. And so that's 
supposed to be the most important part, yeah. right? Yeah. But that's, the, oh, but the most interesting acting that's going on mm-hmm. is Lynn and Amanda. 100%. And the way they play off each other and their antagonism and having to learn to work with each other, basically, to keep Jigsaw alive. <laughs> I know. To keep Lynn alive. Yeah. Even yeah. though there's this fucked up scheme going on that neither of them quite know the entire yeah. answer to. Yeah, no, you're right. There's... Which I think is also a clever play on the whole concept of Jigsaw in the first place. Like, everybody's mm-hmm. a piece of a puzzle, and there's one guy who's got the entire picture, you know, already laid out. So, yeah, that's interesting within itself. But I think the biggest problem with this movie is that maybe not even necessarily Angus McFay. I, I think he did what he needed to Yeah, do. he was fine. The he character fine. of Jeff sucks. Yeah. Jeff's just fucking terrible. Yeah, it's like, I mean, we get it. And the whole thing I got out of it, and I, I think this is kind of maybe their intention was kind of like an allegory for what can happen if you take revenge or you become a vigilante, you know, stuff like that, where it can lead you. It's like that saying, it's like, you know, be careful about monsters mm-hmm. and all that stuff because you might end up one. But the whole point is it's like a redemption story. Like, you know, instead of going down this dark path, like you were saying, he keeps getting the offered this path of redemption, which Yo. is part of someone else's path of redemption. Exactly, which I think it, what you were saying earlier, too, to add to that, which that's good storytelling, regardless of, I guess, like you were saying, in this case, it's fucking psychopaths and serial killers. But this could be a, a tale for any genre, really, if you wanted it to be, I suppose. Yeah. You know, it's just the master has one last shot to try to get through to their student. Yeah, and like I said, that within itself, it's an interesting tale regardless. But in this context, nobody knows that. (laughs) They don't know that. It's just this guy is manipulating everybody with, you know what? Even though I I can't remember the rest of the series, I think in this one, I'm going to go ahead and shoot my wad and say that he wanted this to happen. Mm, mm. Kramer, that is. Like, he knew these fucking people weren't going to do this. He knew. He knew their character. There's no way you can turn that fast. You know, I'm not trying to do it loud, but <laughs> there's no way you can you can turn that person around in just a short amount of time like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you would hope it, but it's not going to happen. And it seems like he's willing. It's no like, cause. If somebody does seem like they're turned it around, he's willing to. No, no, you're to I, continue with them. That's Amanda's character. Precisely. It's like he. It's not that he's not willing, but I think he knows these particular characters well enough mm-hmm. to. It's kind of unlikely. I mean, you know, it's kind of a weird thing to say when you're thinking about these characters, serial killers. Like, I just want her to be a good person. So I know they technically reshow it at the end of the movie anyway to spell it out if you didn't. Uh, catch, yeah, if you do. didn't catch it. But honestly, I was kind of zoned out by that part of the movie, so I didn't give a shit. I do think that the best rewatch bonus of this movie is realizing that Kramer's talking to Amanda the entire time he's explaining things while she's putting the shotgun collar on Lynn. Yeah. That is a really good twist on this film because you don't realize... Because it it straight up sounds like he's explaining to Lynn the rules of the game. Thank you. You're under the assumption that this is Lynn's game, not Amanda's game. And then when you do figure that out, you're like, damn, that was clever because he was kind of... He wasn't necessarily cryptic, but it kind of was. He was hoping she'd pick up on it. To be fair, I think that montage at the end doesn't reshow that entire scene, just a couple lines. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, the rewatch bonus is rewatching that and realizing that 
pretty much that entire time, unless oh, he's dang. actively describing what the shotgun collar does, yeah. he's talking to Amanda. All right. Since we're in this ballpark, I'm going to go ahead and take a big lead off first and head towards mm. second with this one. <laughs> is This is kind of getting back to my idea, and this is what I wanted to ask you. With his character and with this knowledge that we're just now you know, presenting, mm. he makes a statement about Amanda and her emotions. And he says, you know, that her emotions get the best of her. I'm like, okay, I've heard this before several times. Mm. You know? Oh, yeah. Okay, so with that in mind, he's manipulating her throughout this film. One, not because that's his intention. He's just, he went through an episode and he sees his wife and Lynn happens to be attending to him when he says he loves her. (laughs) You know, but it's like, oh, it's just inopportune time for a man to be watching that. But then a little bit later on, though, he kind of does do that. Mm -hmm. He's trying to make her a little bit jealous because he knows her emotions are going to trigger her and that's his way of seeing which way she's going to bend. I mean, he does definitely play it up with women now that you're pointing it out. And I'm wondering if that's intentionally written into the character or if that's like a bias of the writer. That's kind of what my question was leading to. But the character definitely plays on everybody's emotions to an extent. He does. He does. In all fairness, because I'm wondering if it it maybe it sticks out more (sighs) because of, Unconscious biases from the writer. That's what I'm getting at. It's like, I don't know how much that's intentional. Hopefully not. <laughs> I, oh, God. That's what I'm saying. That was one thing I was thinking because of the age we're in now and how you can read into that. You could say this is a very misogynistic movie with the way they're writing and treating these female characters in this film. Yeah. Yeah. That's my argument, but I don't know if it's one I want to take a stand on. I'm just, it's something I noticed. The shotgun collar is cool, though. Yeah, it is. That's fucked up. <laughs> That's fucked up. And it's right around that time that we finally get introduced to actually introduced to Jeff, right? Yeah, he shows up in a crate mm-hmm. on a forklift, and then he finally busts out of it. And you know, he's all fucked up. It's a nice little tumble. And we kind of get his backstory and all How that stuff. How fucked up would it have been if he would have just broke his neck? And I was kind of thinking, I was like, man, can you imagine like his test? The first thing he like he snaps his neck or his leg or something fucked up like that. I was like, yeah, game over already, wasted. <laughs> Fucking Kramer's just like, wait, what? Amanda, <laughs> we fucked up. <laughs> yeah, he didn't make it. He didn't even make it to the first door, but. All it does, I think, is it triggers a little bit of his background somewhat. You know, we find out. So I'm I'm not going to lie. When he busts out and went into the freezer room, that's when I remembered which saw this is. Solid point, yeah. Like, does that, like, because I've, no, I've seen I the agree. first five for sure, maybe the first six. I think I've seen up to part, yeah, five or six. My sister Colleen and I, big ups to Colleen. She and I binged these films back in like 2007, eight, somewhere around there. And I remembered things that happened, but I couldn't remember which one they happened in. Yeah. Like I said, it's been a hot minute since I've watched all of these films. And I was like, so first, like the scene before this, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the one where Jigsaw dies. Spoiler. (laughs) Spoiler. But Um, here we are. Yeah. And then when Jeff busts in the freezer room, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. This is the one where I hate Jeff for the rest of the movie because he's always (laughs) making decisions five minutes after making a decision would have been useful. I know. He's like, like, no, 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 stop that shit. And he's also the biggest wuss and just dumb. Yeah, he is pretty dumb. 
like this first, like the freezer room when he finally decides to go for the key. If you don't want to lose the side of your fucking face, like I think you're wearing multiple like layers. Layers, yeah. Thank you. But even then, I was like, all right, he didn't also, do that. Also, she was a fucking witness, bro. Like, don't let her fucking freeze to death. <sighs> no, that's fucked up. That is super fucked up. I would have. It's like I'm already not a huge fan of the cold. That right there, I'm like, fuck me. And even if this was your end guy, like, that's not a way to let someone go out. Yeah. Like, if you're going to torture him to death, torture him to death. Exactly. Like, cold for some reason seems weirdly (laughs) fucked up. The one gripe I have about that sequence playing out had nothing to do with her, had everything to do with him, and it was the after fact when he ripped his face off. Mm. And then, like, after that, it was no big deal. (laughs) Like no 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 no. You just ripped a no chunk big, of your face off. It was no off. big deal, but there was some pretty good makeup on him for the rest yeah, of the movie I'm for not, that ripped off. Chunk. That's not, I'm not arguing or mm. complaining about that. It's just, yeah, man. Anytime you rip flesh, I don't care how severe or how minor, it shit hurts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gonna sting for a bit. You go back to Amanda and the doc, and is that where they have the like? Oh, you must be distracted and with all these weapons around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She hands her the axe. That was it. See, that's a good scene. Once again, they have the best scenes together. They have the best chemistry in the movie. And that's like, it's awesome that we get to see it, but it's unfortunate for the rest of the movie because it's supposed to be the B plot. Exactly. Exactly. And the A plot gets vastly overshadowed by it. Right. Because you don't even realize the A plot is happening because the focus isn't on that Mm -hmm. necessarily. Yeah. I mean, you see it, but we don't necessarily know that. That scene was so fucking cool, though. I liked it. That was actually good. That was clever. She fucked her up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you better do it fast so he doesn't hear it. <laughs> but then you can't find this and blah, blah, blah. You better find the sensor. Yeah. So by then, too late. <laughs> but yeah, all of that's good. She's had her shit together in that scene. Shawnee Smith does a really good job. Mm-hmm. And yeah, throughout. I mean, so does Bahar. Mm-hmm. They both do a really good job. Then we get the pigs. Oh, right. dude. Well, I'm trying to think if it's... Yeah, actually, you're right. You're right. So I think a little bit before that, not major, but you get to see a little bit of Amanda's flashbacks from part two. Oh, right. You know, how she escaped, devoted, how she had, like, her part in setting up the game with mm-hmm. him. So I thought it was kind of cool. Anyway, you're right. Goes to the second test, which happens to be the judge. Also, I think that confirmed the time frame for when a lot of this is happening. Yeah. It did. Like what parts of it were happening at the same time and shit. Man, I think that's because these movies actually overlap quite a bit. I kind of like that about this franchise Mm -hmm. because it does make sense the way they do it and the way they connect all this stuff. So that's why I think it has such a strong performance at the box Mm -hmm. office. It's not just, oh, here's another one. So the pigs upon rewatch were kind of disappointing. Which is interesting because first time through, I'm like, God damn, that's gross. But I read it was just like, it was basically makeup, latex, and I don't know, it was gelatin and stuff. But they stuffed, or they tried to stuff it with just like live maggots. That's really the only mm-hmm. thing that was real about the entire prop, if you want to call it that. So, but yeah, it could have been better. It was still I mean, gnarly. The stuff that was being dumped on the judge. That was gross as fuck. Yeah, but it, like, When you you watched it, it looked like it was 90% water. Yeah. I mean, the intention is, yeah, it's super gross, but I agree. And that's what took, like, if it would have been chunkier. (laughs) Yeah, you got to use some clam chowder in that shit, man. (laughs) 
this was only upon like, okay, I know this is coming. Like, let me just sit there. I know. And, that's, like, like, it's just like this. little. It's just some of our stuff like, we did. <laughs> I remember right. watching it the first time and being like, oh, this is fucking disgusting. <laughs> because in reality, it, that would be. The, oh my oh, god! So sad. I'll be throwing up all over myself and shit. I just thought about it a little bit too hard, and I almost started to retch. Like, yeah, this, that's no good. I, I know. I'm not trying to bring it up, but just everything involved. Is, let's just put it that way. It will make me up, Chuck, so fast. Strangely, the quickest way to get over that scene is to pay closer attention to it. Yeah. If you let your yeah. mind do it too much, you're gonna feel sick. If you pay close attention to that scene, you're like, oh, that's not that bad. Not that bad. No, you're right. It looks very watered Like, down. I would get that poured on me. Yeah, it's not as bad as it looks. And because we are equipped with that knowledge, we know it's not mm -hmm. the real deal, you know? Um, no actor's going to do Well, I'm not going to say that. Most actors wouldn't. After that, is that all the sequence leading into the brain surgery and shit? Yeah, you're right. Because he gets the judge out. You know, he has to incinerate his kid's belongings. Oh, right. Yeah, which they played into that earlier with his daughter and him. You know, mm -hmm. but he gets the key, frees the judge, and then you're right. They have to perform a kind of impromptu surgery on his skull. They're trying to relieve the pressure because his brain's pushing up against the skull, giving him headaches and looks like seizures and shit. So now upon rewatch, this is probably the gnarliest part of the movie for me. I agree. Now, because we do this shit every week and we've just brought it up again, it's like the cuts that they do are actually really fucking good because... When you see Tobin, mm -hmm. he's doing enough to make you still think that, like, when they show the back of his head, it's actually his head, but it's not. But everything that you see from the back is like, ooh, that's when good. When the foley's good it's enough good. To, to sell you on it. Yeah, it's like they do a really good job of making that shit look like, that's fucked up. Drilling into the skull. And I love the fact that, <laughs> like, Shawnee Smith is like about to lose it herself. The yeah, she's just all bug eyed and stuff. You're right. She, that's what I'm saying. She does a really good job of emoting and making you feel that kind of tension and nervousness and all that mixed emotions that go into that kind of shit. I did read a little bit of trivia that Bahara plays Lynn. She had a little bit of problems keeping her hands steady with the drill. So, one of the, I think it was one of the props guys, mm -hmm. like, was behind trying to help her uh, while she was drilling and shit. Yeah, so, yeah, if you're not comfortable with power tools, they'll fuck you up. Oof. Yeah, no, like, legitimately, in good, hindsight, though. like, I think this was, the like, the squickiest I got in the fucking movie because it was... There was a part where it kind of got me a little bit because, man, when alcohol hits your bare skin and bone and shit, like, oh, God damn, that hurt. Well, and, like... They were just squirting that shit in there. It's a different part of the skull, <laughs> but I've had enough dental work that I can imagine the feeling of the vibration just rattling oh. through your skull from that shit. Like, yeah, and that's where she's like, you might want to keep your mouth shut. Yes, shit's going to be rattling. And no, sir. <laughs> it ain't a no, diamondback. I'm good. I'm good. And then... It's just, like, no, nah, you might want to put me out. <laughs> I don't be up for this shit. You're going to drill in my head while I'm awake, even though, you know, I'm underneath uh, an anesthetic still. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that. And, I, and, like, she had the fucking the drill <laughs> marked out so it could only go so far in. I, that's actually really good attention to detail. Mm -hmm. That's something you don't see every day. And that is she something. She wasn't just freehanding that shit. No, no, no. I was like, that's something I used to do when I did electrical work, when I had a drill into stuff. If you know how far you needed to go, you usually mark it off with tape on the mm -hmm. bit. And I was like, oh, 
they did that. That's actually A+. plus. It looked like it was more than tape, too. It Ooh. looked like she had like something stuck around in there. Yeah. I don't know what they used, but we usually used electrical mm-hmm. tape. But yeah, regardless, it's still good attention to detail. Because you can't be just drilling into someone's fucking head like that. <laughs> You just you just go till you don't feel pressure anymore. Like, bro, oh, shit, I got some brain. <laughs> My bad, bro. Ain't the brain I want, but I got some brain. Don't yeah, worry oof. though, your heart monitor is gonna keep beeping. Yeah, no, I, I, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we both about to die. Yeah, no, but um, I think the overall effects were really good in that moment. They did a really good job. That leads into that leads into him twisty having McTwisty, right? Or it leads into him like having that flashback of his wife and shit. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and that's yeah. when he's like, oh, I love you. I'm like, oh. I actually really liked that flashback. I didn't like his young man goatee. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and honestly, I mean, I've never looked up young pictures of Tobin Bell. Maybe he just oh. used to rock that when he actually was young. Dude. But it looked like like the cliched, we're going to show this character younger. <laughs> Give that fucker a soul patch. <laughs> Paulo Antonono was popular at the time, right? <laughs> That's so funny, man. Possibly. Here's where it leads into Amanda. She's like having her moment where she's getting tempted to do drugs again, right? And then she has that flashback. and mm-hmm. But then we realize she's actually a cutter, and then she goes back. And uh, anyway, we see her involvement is what I put in previous films, like the extent of her helping Jigsaw set up the very first film. <laughs> right. Which I thought was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I like how they're doing all that shit. She popped in right at the end. Uh, yeah. To help the little life finishing. I like all that, man. Then she goes in and she, I put, she threatens Lynn after Lynn makes a snide remark because it's kind of like Amanda, she goes over and she's kind of cooing mm-hmm. up to John. And she's like, he can't hear you. He doesn't even know you're there. And she's like, all right, bitch. No, I read that in this sequence, that was actually improvised. Oh, shit. Like, Bahar didn't know that Shawnee was going to go, like, put her hand around her throat. Oh, damn. Yeah, so her line ran after all that shit after John's like, let her go. She's like, you fucking freak. (laughs) That wasn't written in the script is what I read. So they improvised that scene, which is really good. But I think it gave you, you know, a sense of the urgency in that scene. Okay. And that John was hyper aware of what was going on which leads me back to him being manipulative Mm -hmm. and narcissistic and all that shit he knew what he was doing and then we get the 540 mctwist right (laughs) dude uh (laughs) this is actually i wrote this is where you find out that amanda snuffed out adam who was lee winnell's character from the first film she's like i want to help you and she snuffs his ass out chokes him out Mm. like damn yeah and then this is where it goes into the final test yeah what twisty mctwister (laughs) That's a good one, bro. Yes, it is. That is arguably the most fucked up one in this film. Yeah. Without a doubt. I, in my opinion. That's my opinion. Like, Look, I've been <sighs> dealing with fucking a fucked up knee this weekend. Like, getting all my shit twisted around doesn't sound good at all. Dude, no. I don't want to say the word because it's going to be wrong. But if you got your skin rubbed a certain way, that shit hurts. Let alone get your joints and bones twisted. Jesus Murphy, man. No, thank you. But that's the trap he's in. So Timothy Young is the gentleman who accidentally, we find out, hit his kid. Mm-hmm. Being Jeff's kid, that is. And the reason being, because it looks like they were in the park and the kid got out in the road and the guy hit him. It seemed like he was sincerely devastated. The way when you finally see enough of it to make out what happened, 
it seems like dude was drunk. Ooh, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember exactly. Like, it doesn't matter who you are. You're not missing that kid. Oh, come on, man. The kid, like, pretty much throw, threw himself under the tires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> I'm out, Dad. Peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get out of this shit before you guys get out of it. But, like, no, like, yeah. when you finally see enough of it, he didn't hit the kid because he was drunk. No. It's kind of like you said, the kid fucking basically jumped out. <laughs> It's on the kid, man. I'm sorry. That's why you got to watch cars and traffic and all that mm-hmm. nonsense. But the point being. Which is probably even more Jigsaw's point. Like, you should forgive this guy, but. Yeah. And, you know, the judge, too, because the judge is with Jeff and he's, you know, telling him, he's like, you know, we got to get him out of here, man. The trap itself is, I mean, the kid's trap, that is, Timothy's is really good. But the key, how it's set up, it's are you willing to take your life or risk your life to save another? Mm-hmm. That's the premise of that trap in that room. And um, Jeff was actually smart for once until he let go of the string. <laughs> Blew off your dude's face halfway. Well, and if he would have even just mentioned to the dude, like, could you sidestep no, for a second? With this for a second. Like, you might not want to be there. Yeah, you might not want to stand right in front of this fucking box while I'm doing this. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a loaded shotgun over here pointed in your direction. That's generally not a good place to be. Yeah, dude. No, no, no. Like, I don't fuck around with barrels like that. Don't be pointing them shits at me. So, yeah, I get it. But the whole point is the judge gets shot, and then Tim, his limbs have already been shattered at this point. Like, I'd already want to be dead. I don't give a fuck at that point. And slow-ass Jeff. God. He's like, ah, They're like, come on, dude. You're not he, helping. Jeff, he didn't get to Tim in time. Didn't yeah. get to Danica in time. No. And couldn't get to his fucking kid in time. He's just always late, man. He's never on time. Never on time, Jeff. (laughs) Don't invite him nowhere. Quit pirating fucking donuts and go fucking (laughs) jump on a goddamn Nordic track, Robert Bruce. I know, man. Come on, dude. Yeah, so long story short, Timothy doesn't survive. He gets his neck twisted, and that ends Mm. him. But it does lead Jeff out. Yeah. you know, And into the end sequence where... Through simply talking about this movie, we've given away most of what's given away in that. But Yeah, but at a certain point, Amanda's just like, she's had it, and she's drawn the gun out on Lynn, and John is trying to convince her. He's like, you know, she means more to you than you realize right now, and I beg you not to do this. So, you know, he's trying to plead with her, even though he's being fucking cryptic as shit, and he could have told her. He's like, hey, look. But, you know, it's a part of his test, whatever. So what happens is... Almost immediately when Jeff walks into the room, Amanda shoots Lynn, Jeff shoots Amanda, and then there's a narrative that gets played out where John's like, all right, there's still a chance that we could save Lynn. I can call an ambulance. They'll be here in four minutes. And it looks like he's like, all right. He says, you just need to confront me. That's literally Jeff's final test is to forgive him. And he's like, I forgive you, but not before I slice your fucking throat. The weakest with this slice <laughs> in the world with a goddamn circular saw. Give me a fucking break. Yeah, I was like, Are you kidding me? You're going to do that big wind-up to cut him a fucking half inch deep? Not only that. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> hell. As he's like, he has enough time, like, I got this fucking tape right here and we'll play before I dip out. <laughs> Fucker. Uh, yeah. I, you're going to rev up the goddamn circular saw. 
Swing it fucking back like your goddamn Sammy Sosa. Yeah, dude, come on, man. And and drop a bunt on us. <laughs> it's like, I wanted to see a high-tension buzzsaw kill, dude. Bro. Nope. <laughs> nope. You know, whatever, but... He can't even get to the center of his fucking neck on time. I know, but all that really does is... It sets up things, of course, but I still think it's a little silly, you know, how it plays out, because... He's like, as an insurance policy, I fucking made this tape just in case. And yeah, you fucked up. Y'all fucked up. Everybody fucked up. Yeah, I'm out. Amanda, you still alive? You fucked up. I know you over there fucked up. <laughs> yeah, so because he's dying. Boom, headshot. Yeah, they say because. <laughs> headshot. The aftermath when, looked decent. When you heard the headshot off camera, I didn't remember that they actually ended up showing it. Yeah, that was that was good. That's what I'm saying. Actually, I like that. That was somewhat of a redeeming quality in, in that whole series of events. And then Jeff's dumbass, he learns that he still got a game to play because Kramer is the only one who knows where their daughter, and not Kramer's daughter, but Lynn and Jeff's daughter is at. Like I said, recurring theme throughout all of this has been Kramer telling him, like, yo, dude, you still have a fucking kid. Exactly. You still have a kid. Dude, see that, quit ignoring your kid. I think that's why somewhat, somewhat, I can't give it full credit, but I'll give it half credit, <laughs> is uh, not making you think about the kid, the daughter. Mm-hmm. Because the last you see, scene that you see her in, she's just like, I'm just going to get ready for school. And that's it. That's it. Also, You don't if, even think about her anymore after that. If there had never been any sequels... Super downer ending because the girl definitely dies if you don't get oh, yeah. the follow up in the next one where you find out she lived. Yeah, because I can't remember. There's a, like a very remember. quick scene with like police officers finding her or something. You might but be right. She and, says, uh... But she says something that indicates that she hasn't been told yet that her parents are dead. I was going to say, I, mm, all right, since we're already here, I think that's when that detective becomes more involved. Oh, mm-hmm. And that makes a lot more sense if that is the case, how it opens. Makes a lot more sense. But anyway, the whole point being is this film does set up future films. I know we've already talked about it because there's like, what, seven, eight, nine, ten films in this space, yeah, size, however many there are. The thing I did like about this, though, it reminded me of going through that binge watch and like, oh, yeah, this is the one that really spawns the other ones behind it. Mm-hmm. But they all do a really good job of still tying back into the originals. Right. Which makes this franchise... I won't say necessarily unique, but it does make it entertaining and worth watching. And even though they do ramp up a lot of the gore with the traps and stuff like that, it's still an interesting story, in my opinion. Like, I was still entertained. Also, I believe I said something to this effect uh, when we talked about the first one, but I still maintain that Hello, Zep is one of the best modern horror themes, hands down. Oh, dude, yeah. It's good. And it's used uh, like seven or eight times in this movie, which some- is dope. You know, something I, I enjoyed about this, too, in one of those flashback sequences was seeing Tobin Bell, like, paint up the doll and stuff, oh, right. like, setting that stuff up. It's like, I like that, man, because they are still acknowledging, like, you know, hey, don't forget, you know, this is how this shit started, and these are the characters that are important, in case you're forgetting. So, yeah, I thought that was neat, because we didn't see it in this no. film. That's the only time we saw it. That's true. That's true. Well, because, yeah, because most of these were Amanda traps. Exactly. And that's something I know we didn't say either. I mean, we alluded to it, but the whole point of her setting the traps was there was no way out. Right. She, wasn't, she was killing even the survivors. Um, ultimately, 
John's a bit of an optimist and he does believe people can change. That was why this was her test is because he wanted her to, to change, but mm -hmm. she fucked up. <laughs> so yeah, I, I do kind of like the downer part of it, even though the intention was to have an upper ending in John's vision. Mm -hmm. But I like the downer side of this because we're horror fans. <laughs> Just because I don't know when we're going to get to it. What's the next one? Do you remember? If this is the one where he dies, oh, dude, I can't remember. Honestly, I do. I don't remember. Like I just remember that detective, his involvement somewhat. I can't remember exactly how, but you know, that's something I do remember. That's mm -hmm. all I'll say. It's, I remember a little bit of that, but like I said, there's a lot I forgot to because mm -hmm. it's been 13, 14 yeah. years. I understand that completely. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Like we definitely got excited talking about parts of this, but overall, yeah. like like I was talking about before. It's a little bit of a sludge getting through. It doesn't need to be as long. We, I, I feel like we've been saying that about more and more movies lately, but this is one it definitely applies to. Like, yeah. the fact that the director, like, no wonder it had to exist as a director's cut to get it over two hours, because Jeez. fuck that. This movie does not need that. The only way you get to the theatrical cut is by oh, use God. of flashbacks. That's a solid point. I was going to say one thing I, I will defend this film over, which the director did as well, and I think the producers <clears throat> as well. Kudos to them. But because we know how the ratings board is, mm -hmm. the one scene that they did keep intact, surprisingly, was the whole skull sequence. Oh. Reason being is because the argument was, is like, this is no worse than something that you would actually watch on a medical video. So, you know, if you're going to censor us, then you have to censor that. So next up is Orozco the Embalmer. Oh, I ain't ready. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. It'd be interesting. But whew, that's gnarly. I mean, not next up for shit. us. Like, okay, ratings board, you're done watching this. Oh, no, no I got you. I know you're saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I was thinking literal. Like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good, dude. I don't need to go there. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not that That's all real that. shit. We don't need to cover real shit on Yeah, here. I've had that argument with some people. It's like, I don't need to necessarily see that side of what we're doing no <laughs> no thanks but i am excited with what we have tentatively planned for the upcoming weekend before we get to our proper review for next week agreed yeah we need to see fucking spiral dude oh that's gonna be awesome and we're kind of in the midst of things i think we need to be cautious but i think you know tentatively things are starting to open back up mm -hmm. which is exciting some of it earlier than we'd like, as we found Dude. out earlier today. But I know this is strictly for Missoulians, but did you see the Roxy's opening on the 4th of oh. June? Oh, is it? That's yes. dope. That's good to know. And we know what that means for, for us locals. We get to watch fucking indie flicks. As I'm saying, some art house films and shit. Yes. <laughs> and I think we finally have a release date for Green Knight. Oh, what? Yeah, dude. Yes. We'll look that up after the show. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so exciting news. Because that's one that news. we can probably uh, cross over. You're right. You're absolutely right. So I'm excited about that. I know we're excited for a lot of things, but it, I think things are starting to look up is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. What's not looking up is us being ready <laughs> enough to tell you about what we're doing next time. No, but we'll have a film regardless. We'll have a film. <laughs> we hope you join us then. But I'm done talking about this movie. You done talking about? All right. So for this time, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried squirms. <laughs> out. out.
Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, we highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Uh, scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace. <laughs>